listening to the Hometown Losers, the St. Louis Sports Podcast, with Josh, Adam, and OJ. Hey everybody, welcome back here to the Hometown Losers Podcast. This is session number 42 and season number two, as I said. Um, and we are joined, as always, here by OJ and Adam. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing great here. Glad to be here. How's it going for you, man? And for me, it's it's okay. Um, you know, it's been kind of a chaotic um, St. Louis sports time, I guess, ish. But OJ, oh, yeah. how, how are you doing, bud? Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Got the uh, got a long Christmas break coming up. Just decided nice. to take a couple extra days off of work, even further yeah, than what sure. I had already. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Still rolling hours over for next year, so feels <laughs> good. Yeah, I wish we could do that. Uh, Adam and myself, we don't get the roll time over, so you know, you Damn. Can nope. it. But, no, it's yeah. all you can you lose it, but we can roll sixty. Sixty. Yeah. <laughs> If you roll over your days? full lot, two no, sixty hours. Sixty hours, okay. dude. That's why I was <laughs> like, yeah. sixty. Sorry, days. I thought I. That's why I, oh I thought you said God. days. I was like, are you banking for like twenty years? And then you just say, like, fuck it, I'm gonna take a three month vacation. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's yeah, like, that's, damn. All right. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But you can basically. I mean, if you're at ten years or near there with the top time and rolling shit over, you basically can just take like a month off, like. <laughs> So it's Not actually one ever. of my uh, one of my uh, friends from Australia. She actually lives in uh, in England now, but uh, at the time she was working in Australia, she just had a brand new job, and they started her at five weeks vacation, and she was upset about it. I'm like, what? Five weeks? I'm like, I'm like, that's high. She's like, oh yeah, the average in like Australia is like six weeks. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And she's just like, yeah. yeah, it's like that's six weeks. She's like, my old job was we started six weeks, and after two years, I got up to eight weeks. I'm like, you got two months up, I'm like. How the hell is like no wonder like we're like the highest like superpower when it comes to the economy, although we're really not, is because we're always constantly working and not everyone else is on vacation. Well, the Europeans just believe in taking some time off, more productive Which that way, right? Important. Yeah. I, yeah. I honestly yeah. though, because I just had a conversation with my mom about that, about how like we need one day into where we can just like be able to like unclench and be able to relax because like you know, Saturday and Sunday, you're doing tasks. You know, like you're going around, like visiting family, shopping, doing all that stuff. I'm like, yeah, that's why there's a lot of talks about the European work, uh, work clock where you work four days, you know, work four tens or whatever. And you get Friday, Saturday and Sunday off. I'm like, yeah, because then you could just go out and like do like things on Friday for yourself for like, you know, self-care or whatever. And then Saturday, Sunday, you know, do the same stuff that you would normally have to, especially for parents. I feel bad for parents because like their weekends are taken over by their kids. You know what I mean? So. Oh, yeah. Anyways, let's get off of let's get off of that stuff and and dive into some sports talk, Um, talking about vacation stuff. But uh, let's go ahead and start this session off talking about the Blues. Uh, So before we get to the main topic, obviously, of Berube's firing, which obviously we'll get to, uh, let's talk a little bit about the update here. So the Blues uh, are 13 and 14 and one for 27 points. That is uh, since last week and last session, they are 0 and 3. Um, we are now sixth in the central last week. We were fifth. We are 11 points behind the abs for the lead in the central. Uh, we are one point out of the last wild card spot. We are no longer in the last wild card spot. We have actually moved down two positions, 
um, in that race. We are now 10th in the West. We last week, uh, we were eighth in the West. We're 18 points behind Vegas and we are now 23rd in the NHL. We were uh, 17th last week and we are again still 18 points behind Vegas for the lead. Um, so all this right here, you know, the 0-3 week accumulated to the big news, of course, in St. Louis sports um, that coach uh, Craig Berube has been terminated and that Drew Bannister, uh, who is right now the Springfield um, Thunderbirds, uh, he will be taking over uh, as interim head coach. Uh, this was announced not terribly too long ago. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and get right into the questions here, OJ. I'll start with you. You know, do you believe that Barube was the problem with the team, or like, what, what's your thoughts on this firing? Yeah, I don't. I don't think Barube's the problem. I think you have too many divas that don't want to do all the team stuff. Uh, you know, and and for whatever reason, they just decided they weren't going to do it. And you know, Barube can only do so much to make them do their jobs. So. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's part of the problem. I think he's a good coach, and I think good coaches are hard to find, and we're going to regret firing him ultimately. I'm kind of with you there, man. It's like that's, to me, the biggest thing about all this. It's just been, you know, the, the diva stuff is what you talked about and, like, the lack of effort. We talked about this so much on this podcast on the lack of effort because all three of us here are not only big Blues fans, but we would love to have the opportunity to play for the team that we love. Right. And that's kind of what irritates me. And, you know, on our, you know, uh, obviously off air in our group chat or whatever, I sent you guys from Jeremy Rutherford when he asked Kairu on his relationship, Barube, quote, I've got no comment. He's not my coach anymore. Unquote. Yeah. I, that really rubbed me the wrong way. Cause not <laughs> only are you saying F you to, the one coach that has led the Blues to a Stanley Cup, I get that Kyrie was not on that team. But at the same time, like, you, you're you just not professional. Like, I'm sorry. I don't care how old you are or how long you've been in the league. You're, you're not professional at that. If you're just saying he's not my coach anymore, listen, I hate to be so blunt about yeah. it, but go fuck yourself. Like, that's not okay for you, for you, to, for you to say stuff like that. And by the way, when he got uh, his name announced uh, tonight uh, tonight's game, he got booed. He, was booed. he got booed. Oh, he's been yeah. getting booed. There, was, all there were two people Every booed tonight. Just the puck. Good. Yeah, he needs two. to. Honestly, there were two people booed tonight. That was uh, he was booed, and then also Army. Whenever oh, he was brought up at the the pregame, um, it, it was broadcast up, and uh, people were booing as well. I saw the video. Yeah, yeah in which yeah. listen, you know, in all honesty, like you know, Armstrong when he when his um, when you watched his interview about it. I mean, he, he, you could tell he's kind of like, he wears his heart in his sleeve. You know, mm -hmm. he is not a guy that really has, when it comes to firing and personnel and stuff like that, if he's really excited about a person, like when, when they signed coach, uh, coach Berube out, made him from intern to the actual coach, he was incredibly excited, you know, not only because they just won the cup because he felt that Berube could be the solution for years to come. And you can tell that he lost his friend. He even talked about it. He's, he even said, which to me was a little unprofessional. He's just like, we talked about it. We had a beer. Uh, together we reminisce about some stuff but unfortunately it's just going to be another chapter you know that was yesterday today's a new day right mm -hmm. um you know so adam which what's your takes on this firing here i mean what's so your i've been doing some reminiscing and some you know kind of 
really sitting here thinking about this, you know, since last night, since I called you and we were talking about it briefly. First, you know, a lot of my a lot of my emotions were what the actual fuck is going on. Like, how could they blame Marube? Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And for me, OK, this is what what it all breaks down to. Was it Barube's fault? No, that is not the, the the problem with the Blues. The Blues performance is really two. Well, actually, more like threefold, I think. Um, a lot of it has to do with player performance, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say some executive decisions definitely have been made by Armstrong as yep. well. And especially when we start looking at those long-term contracts and those players in particular are, you know, they're not meeting expectations. So that is really hindering us. You know what I mean? Um, well, 100%. So I think, though, after I've listened to Armstrong, I truly don't think that he wanted to fire Barube per se, and I don't think he's faulting Barube. I, I think that he realizes that he has to do something because he he's you know his feet are going to be held to the coals, yeah, right? The fire as well. He yeah, is yeah. definitely in the hot seat for sure. He has to do something, and while it's a very unpopular opinion to replace Barube, because, um. You know, his coaching abilities, as we know, are very good, but I think that he realizes he's going to have to, like, rebuild, you know? Yeah. Uh, Like, rebuild our foundation, so to speak, because nothing else is working, you know? But that's that's where that's where I see I think the firing came from. I don't think it was anything personal, and I don't think that he faulted him personally. That's now that I look at it, you know, over uh, because I, I really don't think that he saw Barube as the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Only, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, whenever we see that though, even in corporate America, uh, a, you know, you may have a, a phenomenal manager who's doing great things, but they're, you know, maybe the team or things aren't w- working out well. The performance is slipping at the end of the day. The manager ultimately is in charge and has to go down with the ship. You know, just like mm-hmm. Jack's, you know, uh, what's his name uh, uh, on the Titanic or whatever. He went down with the, down with the ship, so to speak. Right. Jack so DiCaprio. Yeah. You know, whatever is. Yeah. Whatever the guy's yeah. name is. <laughs> the captain, well, I don't, I don't remember that. Captain Smith. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, think, whatever. I don't remember captain, the captain's name. Captain Smith, Titanic, I think, or whatever. Yeah. But I think it's like yeah. Captain Smith. Basically, it wasn't his fault that the Titanic actually sank. It was some other guys that were not, you know, not paying attention they, you know, were goofing off, whatever, didn't, weren't paying attention, and they turned the ship at the, you know, way too late, blah, blah, blah. But he realizes that he was ultimately responsible, and he went down with the ship, even though he personally wasn't responsible. So I hope that Craig Berube realizes, though, is that St. Louis appreciates the hell out of him and everything he's done for this team. Um, I honestly think that he will always have a, a place here in the city and he will be welcomed with open arms. Yeah. I mean, I think the booze tonight pretty much showed that, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, he has to at least get a little bit of a kick out of that. Right. For sure. <laughs> Even if he disagrees with it, he probably thinks at least people appreciate it in there. So that's gotta yeah. be worth something. For right? sure. Listen, for sure. In, in, 
looking at Barube, right? So this is a crazy. I looked up some statistics around Barube. Uh, in his, this is what this was his sixth year with the Blues, which is crazy. He's been with the Blues for six years, right? But anyways, yep. Um, he is two hundred and six, uh, two hundred and six, uh, to one hundred thirty one and forty four. Uh, he's twenty four and twenty seven in postseason games. That two hundred and six wins actually ranks him third in franchise wins. Is it third? Oh is, wow, I thought it was yeah. fourth. It was fourth, third. Damn, wow. Yeah, third in franchise wins. My my yeah. this in my opinion to it is I agree with both of you. I think we're all kind of on the same page here. I think most of St. Louis really is on the same page. Yeah. I don't really I, I I understand the Barube firing because Adam you brought it uh-huh. up. His cold like his feet are also he's got to be feeling the pressure right. Yeah, he but has to do something. At the same time, I really believe that the problem with the Blues has been roster construction. Doug Armstrong has this really weird – yeah, I think that, honestly, Doug Armstrong really has this – especially lately, really weird feeling to, like, get flash. He wants to get uh, players with speed and play in a transition game like the Dallas Stars compared to what Brube wanted as a coaching philosophy – and being those hard-nosed guys, like Jacob Verana, although it was a good pickup, obviously, you know, he's no longer with a team, is on waivers or whatever. He was not a guy that was going to be able to get into forecheck. That was just not his game. You know, yeah. Cairo, not his game. Like, uh, you know. Yeah, the Blues Robert just aren't Thomas, a hard-checking team, period. You know? Yeah, we're not. Yeah. And, like, I understand when you take a look at it, right, and you look at uh, look at what happened when Petrangelo left. We signed Tory Crew. Okay, that was the best, the second best defenseman besides Petrangelo that was on the market. Okay, cool. So you got to give it to Armstrong for going out and getting the second best guy. But the problem with it was that Corey Krug is not a physical guy. Petrangelo doesn't look like he's physical, but he's damn physical. He's not going to go out and lay people out like Chris Pronger. He doesn't have like that pit bull mentality, but he is very strong. And he clears the front out of the uh, front of the net. Tory Crew doesn't do that. He's a smaller guy that is more known for his offense and his power play ability. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. he lost so much grit. Krug is like bad defensively too, because like I was watching mm-hmm. that Detroit game. Two of the goals, like you can watch it in slow motion. He's on the guy that gets a rebound in front of the net and puts it in our net. He's on the guy. He's there to yeah. make a play, and he just doesn't make a play. The dude just gets the puck and puts it in the net. Like, it's like, damn, dude. <laughs> like, if you were good at defense, like, you're in the right spot. I mean, you just had the ability. And I want to bring up the, the – I know you mentioned the Kyrie situation as well, and obviously his comments or lack of comment or uh, whatnot about Barube. I know that they have had, you know, they've had a tense relationship um, in fact, it was kind of ironic. I was looking at or listening to Barube uh, in his post-game, you know, interview uh, the night he ironically got fired. And one of the things, you know, he was talking about the lines and whatnot, and he was fine with the lines. But one thing, as he mentioned, is that Kairu, you know, in his performance, um, you know, w- and he called him out. But, you know, he felt like he just was like a lot of confidence issues and whatnot as well. And. I know that this was also a thing where Armstrong, well, I should say Barube and some of the players, the younger players, didn't necessarily connect. He Barube had it, you know, he was a, a different style coach and he didn't connect with some of those players, so to speak. And I know Armstrong was trying to step in and sort of like help connect the two, so to speak, over time. But the thing is, is that I think Barube and the style of play 
and these guys that don't really want to go hard are they're just two different type of people. He's trying to coach a team that he doesn't have, you know. Right. hundred um, percent. And he's trying to tell sure. Kairu, like, dude, you've got it in you. You just need to, you know, step it Take up. It to the next level. Yeah. Take it to the next level. And Kairu just like I hate to say, but he's kind of like a a smug teenager and it's like, fuck you, dad. Like, you know, he doesn't want to hear it and just shrugs him off and goes back to playing video games instead of doing the hard work, doing his homework or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, dude, you have a job to do. You know, I know you can do it. You know, you had 37 goals last season, but now you have like, what, five? So what the fuck? But he's also better defensively. Like. I, I was reading today his uh, apparently his expected goals against and four are actually like pretty good, but he's got like ten percent lower shooting percentage than his career yeah. norm so far this yeah, year. Yeah, his he's shooting five percent, five point three percent is his shooting percentage right now. Yeah, it, but I, 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 I looked this up earlier to Jordan Kyrie. Yeah, and that and yeah, but I just want to be fair to him. Like the underlying numbers would suggest that he has improved his performance over last year, like significantly in the defensive end. So, I mean, as you know, I'm mad about that quote too. I mean, it certainly, I haven't, I didn't hear it, you know, it's just a mm-hmm. one thing that got tweeted out, right? So, you know, maybe well, my we know opinion that those had... actually heard how he said it, yeah. but like, I mean, it's pretty hard to interpret that many ways other than being just like a flippant dismissal of your coach. If, Jer- like, if, if Jeremy <laughs> Rutherford, who is a very respected you know. journalist, has if he would if he's going to tweet something out and he doesn't want it to be taken a certain way, he would have definitely added a comment to it. Like this mm-hmm. is his compliment, but he said it, you know, like but he uh, but he said it with a tear in his eye kind of thing. He would have said that because Jeremy Rutherford has done stuff like that. This was to me up like it was a bold statement. Like Kyra was just like, I'm done talking about Barube because he's no longer here. Um, yeah. And, so and I think it, that's the reason why he put it out there. Like, really? Wow. Like, I think Rutherford kind of like had a mouth, yeah. like an awe moment. Like, really? Oh, really? That's certainly yeah. the and that's the reason why he had to put it out there. Like, wow, that was kind of a shock moment for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. If there's context around that that's missing, then that would be Jeremy Rutherford being misleading. Because, like, that. Yeah, 100%, 100%. But I don't believe like, that's the case at all. I, 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 yeah, I, I think that Rutherford has had a good, good, but you, OJ, that's a good point, right? Now, listen, I, I just had a, a long conversation with some people um, about Jordan Cairo specifically. And as you guys both know, because I've been talking bad about Jordan Cairo, and I'm going to flat out say it at this point, because I hope Jordan Cairo is listening. Uh, but I think I said that last <laughs> Oh. I, dude, I don't like you. Like, I, I don't. He's like gonna him. unlike our like page, dude. I'll be right, Matt, right now. Like, he's playing. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, yeah. He's but, listening live. My whole thing is like, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, he, he's got it. We're in his ear as he's playing. It's fueling him. He's gonna yeah. be yeah. tonight. Um, you're mad I, I just don't like him. I, I don't like him because I don't like his attitude. I just like I didn't like uh, uh, Clem Coyson's attitude. I didn't like it. Um, I don't like his attitude now. And so, OJ, to your point, right, you know, he's made great um, he's made great strives um, def- defensively this year. Right. Well, it's pretty fucking easy to do that when you're a minus 38 while scoring 37 goals last year. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, yeah, no, think I'm about just, that I just second. mean his underlying numbers specifically say, I know, that I know, he's played well this year, not plus minus, you know. 
Plus minus right, is like a I, very rudimentary stat. You really can't rely man, on it for dude, a whole lot, dude. Like oh, come on. People overuse right, it. And I'm not gonna I'm no bullshit. And I'm not I'm not listen. Okay, I'm not gonna get onto it, but plus minus is is to me as a okay, so I'm just gonna explain it and I'm just gonna move on on it because obviously, like you know, we might not agree on it and that's fine. But plus minus shows a lot towards your effort when it comes to this. Yes, I understand that. A goal, you can get a goal against right when you get step on the ice, right? Okay, I get that. But it's the same thing with a goal four. But a plus minus shows your effort around the 200-foot game, yeah. right? It's just like one of the guys I was talking to today said, Kyra's not getting paid to play defense. Bullshit. Hockey is not the NFL where, okay, you're an offensive player and you're a defensive player. That's not how this works. You have to be able to play offense and defense. A plus minus is going to show you how you are impacting your team when you're not getting the goals, when you're not getting this thing, things in the stat, the stat track. Are you being able to create opportunities? Are you really the third assist on that play? You know what I mean? There's a lot of times that that kind of stuff happens and like, or just doing the damn work. That's where I have issue yeah. with it. Right. And so to me, and again, I don't want to like harp on it and yeah. I'm sorry if it sounded like I came I at you. Because I just had this conversation earlier, so I'm a little charged about it. But plus minus to me is not rudimentary. To In my opinion, it means something because it means you are positively impacting your team when you are playing those minutes. Um, yeah, but rather you can look you know, at it in a vacuum because, you know, you really got what's the plus minus of everybody else on the team? Because, you know, if you put a great player on a shit team and everybody just sucks and they're just getting scored on constantly, their plus minus is going to look really bad. So you really well, kind listen, of have to take it in in context of what the team was, and the team was extremely porous defensively last year. So it and certainly isn't just Jordan Kyrie's fault. <laughs> you know, no, like, and you're you're 100% right. You're 100% right. It's definitely not Jordan Kyrie, but when you lead the team in goals and plus minus, you like you're you let you were the worst plus minus in the team. That tells me that you, you again that you are a hindrance to the offense, even though you scored 37 goals. Maybe not a hindrance to the offense, yeah. but the team's performance overall. Overall, kind of effort. At, right? Yeah, I, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And that's what I get. Yeah, yeah. It and really so, is like, hard to, to me, separate out how much is shit team and how much is Jordan Kyrie, though. Yeah, like, oh, if, right, one hundred percent. And yeah, and and to do justice to to, to Kyrie, you're one hundred percent right, OJ. That it is hard to because obviously we let in a lot of goals last year. It's hard to separate that stuff. But at the same time, when I watched him, he he dude, he is cherry picking or excuse me, doing the soft cherry pick. So what that means is he is hanging really high in our offensive zone. And once he thinks that the play is done in the corner, he's like, okay, we got it. You can see him turn his body towards the net to try to get a breakaway or try to spark the offense. And I can understand that that can work to a certain degree. And that is kind of, again, what you're there to do, to score goals. But you need to damn well make sure you're the NHL, man. And to me, it comes down to, a lack of respect to the blues, because if you're not putting the work, that means that you don't necessarily either you, you don't have the respect to the game or you don't have the respect to the organization. That's just in my opinion on it. Right. Um, you know, like, for example, this was what Jordan Bennington said, by the way, when he was asked about Barube, I literally have a quote right here. So this is what he said, quote, I think the message was that if you're not here to be great or to do what it takes to win, to sacrifice for your team, then get out of here. We've got to be proud to wear the blue note jersey and proud to be part of the organization and play for the city. If you're not, just get out of here because we're not wasting time. These are special years. Being able to play in the NHL, it's a privilege. It's not going to be forever. 
I, so I think a good amount of us, we understand that we want to make the most of our time. To me, that's, that's Jordan Bennington. And I think we've seen that, right? Again, last year when well, he was incredibly frustrated, he would flare up and people were like, oh, he's going to get, he's going to well, yeah, fight. But he was about the only one that had any passion though. That's my point. And that's coming from yeah. your goaltender. You know what I mean? And yeah. like Kyra, it, but, but, but look at, so to me, right. So look at Jordan Bennington's and I get it that Jordan Bennington was like, so to speak, the golden child uh, by uh, Barube because he got the opportunity because of Barube. I understand that. And, and Kyra didn't, but regardless, look at the two different quotes. And like, that tells me that like where their headspace is at, you know, when you look at Shin, Shin's quote, at the end of the day, players in this locker room are going to uh, going forward, knowing that accountability is going to be there. You just can't fire a coach and players uh, and the players just turn the page and act like there's nothing going to happen. I have to be better. We have to be better in this locker room. We're underachieving. We're underperforming through 28 games. It's, it's been a roller coaster. And even though, or even when we're winning, I don't feel like we're winning the right way for the most part. I would say it's time to pull the rope in the right direction and dig in and buy in as a group. Chief's a guy that will take the fall, but it's on these guys that are in the locker room that have to be better. You know, like to me, again, that that's something you want to hear from your captain. And that I, I gained a lot of respect from, uh, from Shin when I hearing that, you know what I mean? And the fact that he put ownership on himself saying, I have to be better. Like, that's the thing that I have issues with, with not just, not just with, with Kairu, but with Thomas as well, you have to be able to take that shit to yourself. You know what I mean? And sit there and say, Hey, um, what the hell is going on here? Like I am not doing very well. You know what I mean? So like, I need yeah. to be able to do better. Like, I don't know. That's just my opinion on it, I guess. But right. also it's, it's hard for me to be like completely removed from the situation. Cause my dream was to play for the blues as we all know. So like it, 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 you know, I have a lot of fiery passion when it comes to uh, to around it as a fan, but you know that that's one of the reasons why I just I don't ha I have issues with Cairo and the effort. You know what I mean? That I believe that he's putting out there. He could throw yeah. he could throw in sixty goals a night, but if you're plus minus and like you're you're just not helping on the defensive side and, and you're just bad in that aspect, you're not a full player. Like I'm sorry, you, you're not Wayne Gretzky. You know what I mean? So that's just my opinion, I guess. Yeah, he has his warts still. I mean, there's definitely some things I don't like about him. He does seem to get a little bit of a, you know, thinks he's hot shit. He does seem like a little bit of a diva, you know. Mm -hmm. So hopefully he can uh, grow out of that or somebody can smack it out of him or something. Because, man, you don't yeah. need that. And if I'm wrong about it, then I'm wrong about it. So. Yeah, because the thing about it, and listen, I mean, he's 25, but he's not that yeah. far behind us. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. at some point, you need to start having – I think he's been in the league now for, what, four or five years? Like, you need to start – yeah, he started in 2017. That's when he came up in the NHL. So, he's been playing for six years. So, like, dude, at some point – you're a veteran. You're not, a, you're not a rookie anymore. You can't get away with this kind of shit. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. That's just yeah. kind of me. But yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, no. Let's go it up. Yeah. Um. Let's get to the next subject. And we kind of brought this up a little bit as well, but I definitely want to explore it a little bit more because Adam, you brought up a good points on it. Is Armstrong's seat hot right now as well? And I think we kind of are all in agreement, but OJ, I want to hear from Red you hot. on this one as well. <laughs> you know, what, what do you think about Armstrong's seat? Do you think it like he he's, you know, fighting for his job essentially as well? Uh, now I do. I mean, after getting rid of Baruby, uh, you know, because here's the thing. I think, uh, 
there's a lot of revisionist history going around right now how about how mm. certain things went down people really bagging on armstrong i still think he's a good gm and i think he's made a I series do. of mistakes for sure trying to make up for mistakes and he's essentially just been you know causing bigger problems trying to make up for other ones he caused already so he's definitely had a tough go of things here and i think this was a mistake too and so that's kind of why i think you know if uh the next coach he hires doesn't work out you know i think armstrong might be out the door yeah and i I think that's interesting too so i took a look at it armstrong's been with the blues and is the gm of the blues for the past 12 years which is kind of crazy like i feel like i still remember when armstrong kind of came into i mean i still remember but i feel like it was yesterday but he's been in, in this for 12 times or 12 times 12 years um, in his 12 years now, that was by the way, before this season. So this is technically 13. Um, he has won the central three times, which isn't great in 12 years, but we've made the playoffs 10 times in 12 years that he's been here. We've reached the second round five times. So a 50% success rate when we're in the playoffs to at least get to the next round. Uh, we've been to the conference finals twice, obviously won a cup in a 19, uh, his record as a GM uh, for the Blues specifically is 571 wins, 345 losses, 107, excuse me, overtime losses. By the way, that is 61.1% of the point percentage, which is pretty damn good over 12 years. That's crazy numbers. You know what I mean? Um, so, like, my opinion on, and I've said this for a very long time, I've said it several times on this podcast, and I was in Armstrong, we trust. But, dude, his seat has got to be just absolutely blazing at this point. I will give him the benefit of the doubt, but this is his last straw because I don't believe that it was Berube. And, again, I think we are kind of all in agreement that it, like he's got to do this because he feels like his job is on the line. So if Bannister can come in and like kind of write the ship to the, where this team's going to be like a 500 team or something like that, then, okay, cool, he might be able to survive for another year. You know what I mean? That's kind of the feeling, at least, that I, I have for it. But he still, I think – that if they don't make make massive improvements uh, as a team, I think that Armstrong will be fired at the end of the year. You know, that's just kind of my opinion on it. Adam, is there anything that you want to insert as well around? Yes, uh, I think I think that uh, Tom Stillman is going to have to step up and eventually hold Armstrong accountable. I mean, we already saw Armstrong. He came out. He said that he also was accountable for this. He knows that he's accountable for this. So. At this point, if if the firing of Barube was to basically send a message that said we have to um, change the core of our foundation, so to speak, Barube is a absolute bedrock center core of that foundation as well. And ultimately, uh, even though I, you know, like the guy, although, you know, I and uh i think he's done great work um but i think that stillman's gonna have to make that call at the end of the season we'll see how the rest of this goes i guess this this is probably going to be like his uh kind of like this is it you know you got one shot Mm -hmm. see what you can do here you know what i mean um but i also blame tom stillman to a certain extent as well because the fact is, is it's not all on um, Rube and it's not one on Storm. It all rolls up to the top, in my opinion. And that's just how I feel. But, you know, he's yeah. still, from, in my opinion here, 
Um, if he holds him accountable, then he will have credibility in my book. But if he doesn't hold him accountable uh, and Armstrong fails, then I, I have then I'll say he has no credibility. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. 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 yeah and I go on, go on, OJ. Sorry. <clears throat> well, I don't know. I think there's a lot of things I do like about Armstrong. I think he's a, I do think he's actually really good at a lot of aspects of being a GM. And I think he's made yeah, some I mistakes, agree. but like, I like the way he, the approach they take to developing players where he clearly tries to make sure they don't rush them faster than they're ready for and stuff like that. You know, I like how he's always, like personally going around the world to see people play. Like, I don't know if every GM does that or if they just send, probably most of them just send scouts, you know? So, uh, and then they get a report and watch some tape or something. So I kind of, I, I don't know. I kind of like his old school style. I do think he has a good hockey mind. You know, I think it, we'd be hard pressed to replace him with somebody better if we did get rid of him. But at the same time, you know, it's the same logic, I guess, that, you could apply the same logic that he used to fire Barube, which is that, well, something's yep. got to change and it's easier mm-hmm. to change you out than the players, you know? <laughs> like, right. Well, yeah. So, Especially the contracts are signed yeah. and those things are done, you know? Yeah. And yeah. ultimately that is part of the problem, you know, and that's why the accountability factor has to come into play. And, you know, the, the thing of it is, is that, I'm trying to look back here and see if Armstrong has a, a history of this in the past. Uh, you know, uh, I'm looking here whenever he was with the stars. Um, and it looks like they fired him as well. Trying to, I, I don't know much of his history there with the stars, but I'm reading here that he had some issues where he was spinning in the cap and basically getting mediocre players and handicapping their teams and whatnot as well. So I don't know if that's yeah. yeah. Honestly, a, a lot of that had to do with at the time it had to do uh, with perception. A lot of people were like, "Oh, they're mediocre players," but a lot he like Doug Armstrong when he was the GM of the Stars, there were they got hit with the injury plague for like three consecutive years that kept them really <laughs> sidelined. Um, <clears throat> so he's done that before, um, like essentially like a Tory Crew kind of situation where. Not to say Tory Krug is mediocre, but just not the replacement that we needed for Petrangelo, right? Yeah. Um, so like it's and stuff like that. He has made bad decisions um within, especially because that's your first time being a GM. Um, sure. but there was a lot of animosity between the ownership and Doug Armstrong because the ownership expected him to be able to build a competitive roster not hitting the cap. And he pretty much got to the cap and the ownership was like, all right, well, you're spending money that we're at. Like we, we thought you were going to spend. So like, mm-hmm. again, there's a lot of negatives that come came around that. That's why like when he, like he, when GMs get fired from, especially when that's your first GM job and you get fired from the NHL and immediately another team picks you up. Like that's when, you know, like, okay, they might've, you know, fucked up. And Doug mm-hmm. Armstrong was picked up right after the season by the blues. So. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, that's the nature of being in a cap league as well. You know, you have downturns, sure. like you said, and things, and then you go into rebuilds and whatnot. And so, and obviously he helped build, you know, one of the most successful franchises, you know, in at least for, you know, at least successful uh, for in our franchise history, that is successful era for the blues. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, and statistically so we'll show you that. that. 
And statistically, well, and I haven't looked at it in a, I think like three or four years, but statistically, the Blues have been one, if if not the best, one of the best, one of the top five franchises in the NHL during the regular season. It just comes to postseason success, which yeah. we have not had. A we lot know of the curse of that. 2019. Yeah. yeah like, well, we've had that, that curse like, forever, man. It seems <laughs> like, you know, like up until 2019, we had never won, you know, even though we had showed up into the fucking final before. Times, we never even won a goddamn yeah. game. Different and we've been there a couple too. times. Was, I'm just saying, yeah. though, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that's just, why the whole thing, like, yeah. with one of, like, Bobby Orr, like, him diving over the mm. goal, celebrating. Yeah. Our, uh, yeah. I'm like, dude, Boston fucking, like, hangs their hat on him. Like, okay, cool. It was an iconic moment for you. You guys are going to win the fucking series, even if that goal doesn't happen yeah, in overtime. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's three to one. They, they, right back yeah. to your barn. Who gives a shit? Boston's going to win. Like, you're an original 16 yeah. with actual NHL players versus guys that just got into the league. Right. And yep. Like, all right, whatever. But anyways. Yep. Well, that's kind of the Boston attitude, isn't it? They're always, like, punching down. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. That's Boston. Yeah, that, that's, why, uh, that's why they have the rat. You know what I mean? Marshawn is yeah. that type of Yeah. Player. Well, he punches up because yeah. he doesn't have much choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He still punches down. I mean, dude, have you seen him at the M&M store? <laughs> punches all sorts of kids just to get his fucking mocha flavored. Oh him. my god. <laughs> I've not seen that. <laughs> Dude, yeah. If I saw that, like, bro. Yeah, you're adding so much more fuel to the fire. Like, screw you. But anyways. Um let, let's get to a little bit talk about about Drew Bannister. Again, the replacement for uh coach Brube. Uh so Bannister uh, has been with Springfield, I think, for three years. He is uh, 93, 58, and 19 in that time. He did go to the Calder uh, Cup Finals, which is essentially the Stanley Cup for the AHL. Uh, they went to the finals last year. They didn't didn't win or whatever. But this is kind of the thing that, to me, I, I have some questions about. Uh, Drew Bannister, and this is what a lot of people around him say. Uh, he is uh, – one second. Sorry, guys. Excuse me. He has been described as preaching an aggressive forecheck, an aggressive defending, create uh, creativity <laughs> on the details in the areas of the game. That sounds very much like Barube. Yeah, so, what are you changing your message? You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're yeah. running the uh, the Re- message replacing life or like, yeah, yeah. But the problem like, is the I'm team's like, still the same. Yeah, yeah. Like, and to me, that that's that's where I have it. So, Adam, I'm going to start with you. Do you believe that Bannister taking over for Barube will help or hurt the Blues this year? I don't think it's going to have any impact because Barube wasn't the problem. I already stated that once, so state it again. Barube wasn't the problem, so therefore replacing him has zero impact on the product. You know, um, plain, plain, plain put, it the problem is is the product on the ice. So it's not the coaching. Uh, OJ, what's your take? I mean, do you think that this coaching change is going to help or hurt? I mean, I think it'll hurt long term, actually. Yeah, because I don't mm. think we're going to be lucky enough to find a coach better than Bruvi or at his caliber. I mean, I, we're probably going to have to cycle through a couple more coaches before we find another good one. That's just the way it goes. So I think it's going to hurt in the long term. But uh, I guess we might as well enjoy, you know, this next week or so of hockey uh, while we get that new little bump, you know, before we fall back down to earth. So. Yeah, Hopefully. that's also the disappointing part about it, too, because, you know, as much as we want to get down on the blues and whatnot, you know, they actually have had a, I mean, overall, a better year than uh, 
I was expecting. So just saying. yeah, it's just firing Barubi. Just yeah, no, I kind of yeah. took the wind out of the sails for me, you know. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. And I think it it kind of took the wind out of the sails for some of the players, like again that were surprised by it. Again, like what I just brought up from Bennington and and uh, and Chin. You know what I mean? I don't necessarily. I mean, I, hopefully it motivates them to be like, well, hey, our ass is on the line too. Or, you know what? We're gonna go try to like get into the playoffs for Barube. You know what I mean? But yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, they've been, we'll see. They've been smoking the sends tonight, so that's good. I well, the same. Maybe, the maybe are one of the worst. Hey, we tweet well, Tyler we, Tucker we, and Brady Kachuk. That was fun. I was gonna, there you go. I was going to say, we've been the bottom before uh, in December, and there was a coaching change. And yeah. uh, there was a firing and a coaching change, and things turned around. So, yeah. And you know, the rest is. And that's a look at. Yeah, true, but not to look at a half empty there. There was a complete <laughs> change in coaching philosophy as well. Like, yeah. Mike Yo just I, I'm was just, terrible. I'm, I'm obviously, know. you know, I'm obviously, you know, just being silly on that one, you know. Yeah. I, I honestly don't yeah. think it's gonna have any positive and, impact whatsoever. Know, I wanna add something too, because I think that Barube also kind of gets a bad rap from people. Like they talk about him as if he's some sort of like stodgy like, uh, God, what's that dude? Uh, coach for Cologne, Tortorella type of guy, you know, like, cause he's yeah, got, he's a tough guy, lot, you yeah. know? But, yeah. Well, yeah, because how he was on the ice. Don't forget. For sure. Yeah. Well, what all I'm saying is look at the last two or three years, the blues have had like actually a high powered transition offense, which is like kind of flies in the face of that entire theory. Right. So like, mm-hmm. They've actually like they've actually had like a run and gun style offense uh, for a couple of years here in, in the recent past under Barube. So it's not like I just don't think there's a whole lot of merit to the idea that he can't coach skilled players. You know what I mean? It's exactly. Just, and that's he, why you need guys that will like you can't. It's not like he's going to his he has some philosophy that's just stifling their creativity or anything. He's shown that he can allow skilled players to play with skill before it's happened. It's just that some of the guys on the team don't want to play a complete game. That's the problem. Agreed. And like, look at Tarasenko. Tarasenko under Barube started playing a 200 foot game. Like I gained so much more respect for Tarasenko because he went after the, like the competitiveness of Tarasenko and was like, listen, dude, you're a great goal scorer. You don't need help on that. I can't help you either on that because I was not a good goal scorer, or good goal scorer. But I can tell you what you definitely need help on, and that's defense because you suck at it. And you know, pretty much went after him in that aspect, and it turned Tarasenko around where he was playing the 200 foot games. Tarasenko was using his body a lot more, not to push people off the puck when he had it, but to go after people in forechecking and stuff. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, always, I, I feel know, I like Tarasenko was always like that. Like Hitchcock kind of coached him up pretty good too. I mean, you really that you only yeah, that yeah, you can't take away like Hitchcock, maybe yeah. his first year in the league before before he was used to the physicality and he was still younger. But once he got established, like I'm not saying he was the best defensive player, or the best four checker, but more times than not, he gave good effort in that regard. Like he fit into those those kind of Ken Hitchcock systems, which those really did stifle creativity. Like anyone that wants to fucking shit talk Tarasenko as a goal scorer as, or not a superstar is a clown because yeah, they are. The dude was on Ken Hitchcock's blues for most of his prime and still put up the second most goals in the league to only Alex Ovechkin. 
Like he did not have, he did not have an offense totally geared around having him put the puck in the net. You know, it was very, everything was super conservative under Hitchcock. Like, I mean, TJ Oshie will even tell you that he, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I think Terry Sango doesn't get enough credit for being as good as he was for as long as he was. And the dude had a competitive edge and he played with passion all the time. It was only the last couple of years here where he got disillusioned with the franchise and Armstrong still wouldn't trade him that he started kind of slacking, you know, and also he got older yeah. by that too and injuries, injuries yeah. built up and all that. So he might've just lost some skill, you know, but I yeah, mean, what sure. he and was, was absolutely amazing. I hope nobody forgets that. No, I mean, Tarasenko is going to be a, he's a blues legend. You know what I mean? He really is because of what he was able to do. I mean, he was a great goal scorer for sure. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of things that go around to it. He was pissed about not being named captain and stuff like that. But, you know, that that's, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll, I don't, that's a different topic. Though, like, but, I yeah, like that you. he I, wanted I, to be a captain. You know, <laughs> like, I agree. I mean, I that's agree. fine. It's OK to be pissed about that. And he didn't let it affect his play. You know, it wasn't until he said, I, I want to be traded. And even then, when Armstrong didn't trade him the first year, he still handled it extremely well. It wasn't until it kept dragging on that he started to become more of a problem, you know? Right. So. Well, anyway. uh, speaking of speaking of trades, let, let's actually talk about the one trade that has happened to the Blues, and that is Robert Bertuzzo being traded here. Uh, so Robert Tujo got traded to the Islanders um, and the Blues got a seventh rounder uh, in return. So pretty quickly here, because there's really not much to talk about it, at, you know, I feel. But, you know, Adam, what's your thoughts here on the trade? You know, like for me, I, I kind of wish that we would have like he would have stayed. But I understand. I wish that we got, yeah. maybe got more, but he's probably only worth the seventh I, rounder being 34. Yeah, I was going to say I was hoping we could get more than a seventh rounder for sure in the in the 24 draft. But, um, you know, it's a shame. Uh, but I, I get it. It's part of business. Unfortunately, sometimes you, you know, you only get what you get. So, um, at this point we've got bigger things to worry about than this. So it wasn't like, uh, with Bertuzzo, um, you know, it's going to make a break or anything. Yeah. yeah it wasn't a linchpin yeah. for us. So, you know, yeah, but it's uh, sad yeah. to see him go, but you know, I liked him, but he wasn't, like I said, it, it wasn't like he's worth a whole hell of a lot at this point. If, as far as if you're going to get any trades. Yeah. yeah, I think it was really more yeah. of a respect move to Bortuzzo. Like he didn't want to have to ride out the last, the end of his career, you know, yeah. in this situation. So like, well, I don't know. I sure. the Islanders something. Are much better, <laughs> how are the Islanders doing this year? I haven't really paid a lot of attention to them. Uh, really. The Islanders, I think, are they're fighting in the Metropolitan. If I remember correctly, they're right behind so, yeah, the brethren okay. and the Rangers. Uh, so they're, me, yeah, they're, so they're pretty second. Nice. Yeah, they're they're doing yeah. good. Yeah, they're yeah, actually so they're playing for the Metro. So, yeah, yeah, and he can contribute there too. You know, if he's going to be like a sixth, seventh defenseman on the Islanders right. team, you know, provide some grit and some veteran savvy. Like, yeah, it's a good get for not a whole lot from them, and he gets a better situation. And we weren't going to play him much anyway. You know. Right, right, exactly. Win, win, win. There you go. Well, let's go ahead and transition off the blues here. Um, get off some depressing news into, I guess, more neutral <laughs> news because we we knew. I was going to say, gonna what are we going to talk about now? That's not depressing. St. Louis sports wise. Yeah, you're not. You're not lying there. 
Um, <laughs> let's talk about some Bro Neal here. So uh, Tyler O'Neill has been traded to the Red Sox. Uh, oh, okay. So the Red Sox I'm obviously okay got O'Neill. The Cardinals got a right-handed reliever in Nick Robinson, uh, Robertson, excuse me. And then uh, we got a right-handed starter in Victor Santos. So just going through some statistics real quick before we get into our thoughts. So Nick Robinson, who again is that right-handed reliever, uh, has was with two teams last year, and he's only been uh, in the MLB level for one year. He is 0-1 in 18 games, uh, an ERA of 6.04. He and that 18 games only had one hold. Uh, he is zero for one in his save opportunities. Uh, 22.1 innings pitch gave up 30 hits in those 22.1 innings. 19 runs. Three home runs, nine walks, 26 strikeouts. Uh, uh, opposing batting average was 316 and a whip of 1.75. Which is the minor league pitcher that we got. Um, I'm a little like, uh, I, I, I'm a little intrigued on it. When you take a look at him in 71 games that he started, he is 32 and 29. ERA of 372 or 3.72, he had three complete games. He's pitched 445 innings, um, and this is, by the way, career in the minors. It was one, obviously, just last year. Um, He had – he's given up 448 hits, 206 runs, 48 home runs, 95 walks, 403 strikeouts, the opposing batting average of 259, which is pretty good, and a whip of 1.18, which is also pretty good. So, gentlemen, and OJ, I'll start with you. Uh, start with you here on this one. You know, what's your thought uh, process on O'Neill? I know that you know we knew that he most likely was going to be traded, but do you think we got the value for him? Yeah, I do, because this uh, Nick Robertson's actually like a legitimate young reliever prospect. Like, think Jordan Hicks tier kind of guy. Like, he doesn't throw as hard, but like he has overall the same kind of uh, potential to him. I think the big thing is he added like a sweeper or something, you know, a sweeper or whatever, uh, this past season. And so it was kind of showing well. So it hasn't shown in the results yet, but like if you look at his FIP and XFIP and stuff, like they're pretty good, uh, especially this past season. So they might have gotten their hands on a young guy that they're going to be able to control for a while that could be a solid contributor to their bullpen going forward, uh, like late reliever type guy, you know, and, uh, then the the starter isn't as as good, but he is like I think he was 21 in AAA or something last year. So I mean he's extremely young at the level he's at, which is always kind of kind of makes him more interesting, right? Because you start thinking, well, they could develop more. You know what could happen, especially in pitching development. Sometimes all it takes is like one thing to click into place, and all of a sudden they take off and they come a stud, right? So there's not, it's not nothing is my point. And uh, Mm -hmm. given the fact that you needed to clear the outfield a little bit, Tyler O'Neill has been hurt a lot the past couple of years. And even when he's been on the field, he hasn't been particularly impressive. Um, You know, that's, I think it's a pretty good return for him, honestly, because the odds aren't great that he's going to be returning to that guy that was like a five war player, you know? He was that right. one well, season, MVP his entire career. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that ship has sailed. So, yeah. well, Adam, yeah, what's your thoughts you on this trade? Yeah, I agree uh, with OJ on this. The fact that, you know, I think that they actually got, you know, pretty fair deal considering, you know, um, we were looking to 
offload O'Neill anyway. Uh, obviously, there's some tension between him and Yali and everybody else, and the fact that he's always injured half the time. He's got lower back strains and hamstring problems, a freaking foot. Like, he, the guy's got a lot of problems, you know? He's always on the IL. And he hasn't been producing. And like you mentioned as well in the outfield, there's, you know, it's pretty crowded. So for me, were some areas that we need improvement on, obviously starting pitching and definitely we need uh bullpen, our bullpen uh, and our closers. We need serious help there. While I wasn't enthusiastic about the starter per se, uh, but it is what it is. I mean, we, we know not to rehash what we discussed before with, you know, some of our, new starters, but it's a little lackluster at best, but uh, at least I feel like we did pick up, um, you know, a guy that's, uh, it's going to be decent, um, you know, on our bullpen, which is always good as well. So uh, for me, I think it was a fair trade for sure. So, and it's interesting that you guys both look at Victor Santos and say, yeah, I'm not really thrilled about him, but, you know, kind of like Nick Robertson. I really don't. Well, I mean, I'm looking again, at his stats here. I, I just said his stats, though. He had 18 games. So he played in 18 games, pitched 22.1 innings and gave up 19 runs as a reliever. Okay, well, the, the, this is the article I'm looking at here. So he tossed mm-hmm. 145. So this is Santos. He tossed 145 innings in 22 split between double A and triple A with a five, basically a five ERA 20.6 strikeout rate, which is below average. Um, he also was injured in 23. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah no, like, he did have he, some injuries he, history. So I yeah. said, I didn't say he's nothing. I, I mean, he's 21 in triple A. Like I'm giving him some credit. But like his yeah. numbers. Are oh, uh, you know what? I I just realized. I think I'm realized the, the Robertson and Santos were actually in reverse here. My apologies. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I, was I didn't say, know much about these guys before. I'll be honest. With you. I didn't really do much. Oh yeah, and neither did I. Yeah, it's all. No, but I no, think Robertson. Maybe I should have said names wise. Robertson of the two, of the two Robertson looked like the the better prospect than Santos. Well, yeah. yeah no, we'll Robertson does. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Right, well, that's what let me saying. ask you guys. Like Robertson's me, probably like reasonably likely to contribute to your bullpen, whereas Santos may not ever make the jump to being good enough in the majors, right? Right. Like yeah. he might just only ever be depth, right? So that's all. Right. But he could, like I said, he is young at that level too. If you know some breaks the right way for him. You never know. Maybe maybe you can figure something out. Yeah, because Robertson pitch, you know. Yeah, because Robertson's actually had some MLB experience here, you know. So I could actually see yeah, him, you one know, one year last year. Yeah, so I could actually see him maybe being a part of the club at least maybe next year at some point potentially. Yeah, I mean he's going to make the MLB roster because that's what I mean. You're probably you're looking at him to fill that slot, so to speak. For right. uh, for O'Neill for at this point, but uh, my point was though, like you traded for like a reliever that I just don't believe is a good reliever. You know, like again, you give up 19 runs in 22 innings that you pitched last year. That's pretty shit. But again, like we'll about see. About the only thing he's year. got. The advanced about the only thing I see that he's got, Josh. So yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't six look at the only thing that I see three eight fit three nine one x fit. So like that's a solid reliever, especially uh. You know, so I don't know. 
was he might that's all I'm saying. He could be like a actual con- contributor. So yeah, we'll see. Adam, what, what I'm saying say? is it. I was, I was going to say one thing that does look promising about Santos, at least, is that, uh, you know, his walk rate was actually pretty strong. Five point six percent, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Only ninety five career walks is pretty good, you know, compared yeah. to four hundred and three yeah. strikeouts. So. Right. But, um, yeah. you know, I think, you know, obviously, I think that we can we all kind of agree that the next step for the Cardinals at this point is probably if they're going to trade the trade an infielder. So we can kind of remove some of the log jam that we have there. We know Mason Wynn's coming up um, eventually as well. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening with the Cardinals and what they, uh, you know, plan to do here. But I still think that we need, you know, one to two more bullpen arms. Um, and maybe that comes from a trade. Maybe it doesn't. You know, who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us all and go get Yonemoto. But uh, or maybe, you know, <laughs> hey, I think that we, we, we could have uh, we could have signed uh, a time or uh, a Shohei for two million a year because fuck, dude. And like if you've been living on a rock for the listeners here that Shohei Atani signed a seven hundred million dollar for 10 year contract with the Dodgers, but six hundred eighty that's deferred after the. After the. Um, so after the after contract, the yeah. yeah, after the contract. So he's getting paid $2 yeah, million broke, a year. I'm like, he, like, he, like, he we helped construct that contract, you know? So he, yes, he yeah, they broke, they completely just broke everything. Yeah. Oh man. That's they not how it's all. supposed to work. Yeah. They just completely broke that. And so it's just, oh man, it's ugly. Well guys, let's get to our last topic here. Um, and it should be relatively, uh, Quick and simple one here, but the MLS just announced today after their meeting, uh, after their ownership meeting and their executive board all voted in, uh, positively to create some changes. So for people that don't know, um, just like baseball and how they instituted the pit clock and stuff like that in the minor leagues and then they implemented MLB, the MLS has been messing with some rule changes in MLS Next Pro, which is, again, essentially the minor leagues for MLS. Um, and they have. Uh, two major on-field uh, ch- uh, changes that are being made and a few roster moves. One that kind of stuck out to me, and I'll kind of talk about that here. But we'll go through uh, one of these one by one and kind of get uh, you know everybody's opinion on it. So uh, the first rule is on-field injuries. So if a player gets down, right, so like they, they go down for an injury and they're down on the field for over 15 seconds, that player must leave the field and receive treatment for at least two minutes before being allowed on the pitch again. That's not to sit there <laughs> yep. and say, that's not to sit there and say that, okay, cool, boom, two minutes, and then he can come straight out after the two minutes. He still has to get permission from the ref. Now, the exceptions yep. to this rule, of course, are if injuries are received from fouls that earn yellow red cards. So, like if I get Which makes tackled sense. and it's a yellow card, right? I am exempt from that rule because I might be actually injured from a dirty sure. foul. Right. Yeah. Um, right. So I think this is interesting. And this is once it, before we get to the thoughts, there's one little stat here that I thought was very surprising. So ML, uh, in MLS next from the past two years, when they've been uh, testing this rule, stoppages went from an average of six per game to 1.22 mm-hmm. per game. That's like awesome. speeding the game up quite a bit. And I yep. love it. There's more actual playing time. Yeah. So as OJ, there should your, be. Yeah. Or Adam, actually, we'll start with you here. You know, what, what's your thought process on this rule change? 
I 100% love this rule. It I am so tired of seeing players go down and they'll be, you know, grabbing their legs and they'll be, you know, trying to call for fouls and they'll be, you know, flopping around. And it feels like there's a huge stoppage in time when literally it was all about nothing. You know, at least now they're going to be it, it. Real, actual injuries will be addressed and all this play bullshit will go away. And the fact is that we're speeding it up and getting real play instead of all this stoppage time getting tacked on at the end, which I think is ridiculous. I think that we should be focused on real play. And I love this rule. And the fact is it's going to start holding them accountable. I get, I bet you that there's going to be some teams that are not going to love this because, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they play that up to their advantage for sure. Mm-hmm. But, and, and Adam, you, you brought up a good point, too, with this, um, that a lot of teams and players specifically, it's not traditional, right, of traditional soccer. Um, right. But here's the thing about this is this isn't a rule change that is specific in the way they wrote it. MLS knows what they're doing right now. They know they're like, hey, we're going to try to, like, quote, unquote, Americanize this so we have more action. But uh-huh. it tr- and they say it like it's kind of under this uh, under the skies of player safety. But in reality, it is. So the reason why that if you go down on the field and you request medical assistance that you are then taken off the field to be evaluated for at least two minutes, they did their research last year in the MLS when a player happened to go to the uh, go to the sideline after being you know treated on the field or whatever, yeah. they literally had a 27 percent chance, 27 percent chance of being injured again because they're not like wow. fully evaluating. They're like. Oh shit, my leg or whatever. But and they like, push okay, through cool, it. I'm good. And yeah. they're like, I, yeah, exactly. Because they're trying to be competitors, 100. Mm-hmm. But, sure. they, but they've really fucked but then up. They re-injure it again. You, yeah. And that's what happened to Klaus or to Klaus last year. Yeah. So Klaus You're right. injured his injured his quad and tried to push through it. And I did the exact same thing in softball, man. Mm-hmm. I was in there. I stretched my leg. I'm like, it doesn't feel right, but I'm gonna try to push through it. And then I really fucked up my leg. And then the entire game, I'm like, I can't leave. But I'm limping. I'm lim- I can't run. You know what I mean? But like and that's but it focuses on the real injuries, which is great. That's the whole point exactly of this right. thing. Cut. Yeah. So, so they can get I mean, it's a win win to be actually evaluated. 100%. Yeah. So it's a win win. You speed up the game or, the you know, the pace of the game. So you actually are focused on doing that. And you also take legitimate injuries, pull them off and get them evaluated as they should be, you know. So just like the blue, I think it's great. Football. You know what I mean? Love. It. Yeah, I love it. exactly. Yeah. They pull them off and say, all right, into the tent you go. You got to get evaled and that's it, you know, and some, and that's what needs to happen. So I, I think it's a great thing. Agreed. OJ, what, what's your thoughts on this rule change? Yeah, I love it. I mean, generally, if you're actually hurt, you're probably going to be receiving attention. Like if you're going to be so injured that you have to like go down, down and you're rolling around in pain and shit then you probably are going to need to for see 15 seconds. more <laughs> medical attention for at least two minutes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. If you're actually hurt. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't think it bothered, you know, obviously you don't want people to, you know, try harder to push themselves through something because of this. But like I said, if you're actually hurt, go off. Like <laughs> you yeah. should yeah. <laughs> like, so, at least yeah. get checked out so that the medical staff yeah. has time to check you out. Cause that was the biggest complaint from the medical staff in the past six years for MLS has been the fact that they feel that they are like when the players go and they're like, Nope, I'm good. Okay. Well, he says he's good. I, you know, I, I got to walk away now. 
You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that it really helps out tremendously in that aspect of things. And just to put this in a different perspective, because uh, somebody did approach to me uh, recently about this rule, uh, uh, rule change or whatever. And they said that, hey, well, like, oh, what are they going to do? They're going to do this in football next, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, football is a little different because you can get the wind knocked out of you. You know, OJ, you and I played football. You know that can happen very quickly. Yeah. Well, you're not hurt, but you got a gut check and you're like, oh, you can't breathe for a second. So then you yeah. just go to the sideline for a play like they do in the NFL. And you're good. Yeah, at that. then they hop back on. Okay, cool. yeah, exactly. Yeah, nothing. Nothing's yeah. nothing's football's, wrong. I just got the football's yeah, a exactly, slower, a much slower paced yeah. sport, though. You know. Also, <laughs> you can just come out for a play, sub somebody else in, and then just come back out later. You exactly. know, like, they do it all the time. Soccer, if you come out, you're playing down a man. You're done. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that's a yeah. you know that's how it's different for sure. And like for I sure. said, because the, the play is constantly going though on the field. Whereas in football, it's one play at a time. You know, there's a lot of downtime yeah. in football. That is true. That is very true also. So uh, the next rule here that we have is about substitution. This is the one I feel we're really going to have a lot of pushback on because this is taken away from strategy, although now there's a different strategy uh, to it. Uh, but it's also taken away from a lot of uh, ambiance or ambiance in the game. And I'll kind of explain what I mean by that. But this rule is... This requires players to leave the pitch within 10 seconds after being subbed. Oof. So once they put their number up, they have 10 seconds to get off the field and get the new player on. If yes. that is not met, the sub will have to wait at Kansas. least a minute and and for the next stoppage before they come in. So what that means wow. is that the player will come off the field, okay? They come off the field and now, okay, cool, you didn't do it in 10 seconds. That player then you have to your team is going to be playing a man down for at least 1 minute least, and it would wow. be until the next stoppage. Um, now here's wow. the thing, right? Some of the nuance to the game, when you have a veteran that is, or like a guy that's performed really well, it's gotten, you know, a brace, which if, if you guys don't know what a brace is, that's two goals in a game. Um, if you get yourself a hat trick, which obviously everyone should know, you know, three goals in a game. And, you know, a lot of times you will be a, a coach won't necessarily need to pull that player off, but they'll pull them off. So they get their applaud. So that way sure. everyone's like, yeah, you know, like, and so then they, well, you have your ovation for like 20 seconds, 30 seconds. It's kind of hard to do that in 10 seconds, but at the same time, this is speeding the game up because OJ, you said it, you know, Casey did it, but they were able to, because we probably would have done the same thing because what they've noticed that the game has lost its integrity in this and not just in MLS, but all like I've seen so much in La Liga now. And it pisses me off. Because instead of doing like, okay, cool, we're going to hold on to two or three subs that we actually need. It's okay, cool. We're up by one goal. I'm going to use all my subs now, and I'm not going to use them at the same time. I'm going to spread, you know, yeah. spread and them out. Yeah, and just spread it minutes. out. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah, and to the waste of killing time. Everyone's going to get off the fucking field. Yeah, it's ridiculous. exactly. Yeah. Like, come no, it, on, man. Yeah, that absolutely is a necessary rule. Like I said, I, I've never seen anyone do it as bad as Kansas City. Like, I've seen some MLS teams waste some time. There's a reasonable amount to do it, but like Kansas city is just shameless about it. Like mm, yeah, they do a lollygag. Like they don't even want to jog, dude. Like they're just like strolling in the park on their way off the field and shit. And it's like, come on, dude, for real. Like that's some cowardly shit. That really yeah. is. Mm -hmm. That's not yeah. wanting to actually compete with the team across from you. You just want to do whatever it takes to win. Yeah. Whether, but what does the win mean if you're not playing by the rules? You know what I'm saying? Great. Like, come on. Well, that's the reason why the rules are changing, and thank God because that should be one thing that they, you know. And the fact yep. is, is that they can still get the ovation. 
they come off or whatever. They can still get yeah. the ovation. They're standing on the side there. Yeah. They can still get an yeah, ovation. Exactly. Curtain call, uh, baby. You know, right. call. 100%. But exactly. 100%. I agree with all that, right? I'm just saying this is what I feel the pushback is going to be. Oh, I'm sure there'll um, be pushback, it, but I think it's a great thing. Speeding up the game. Yeah. I agree as well. And here's another interesting statistic. So in MLB or in MLB, in MLS Next, out of there was over 30 to, and this is in the two seasons, over 3,200. Over 3,200 subs. This rule was only initialized 10 times. Yeah. That's a pretty see, damn high be an issue. Rate. You know, it's insane. You can get up the field. They've proven it. So, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, For these they players, can just hustle. Absolutely. Yeah. They can hustle and get off the field, and that'll be yeah. fine. They can get their ovations and everything, and they'll be all right. Yeah, uh, so this is the last out. one that I had that kind of spoken out or that popped out to me. This is not on uh, the on field, but this is for roster construction. This is about domestic players. So to qualify as a domestic player, residency must be established, meaning that you actually have to own the house, not what Lionel Messi is doing is renting a house from David Beckham bullshit. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and, or you, yeah. And again, I'll get to that in a second. <sighs> residency must be established or appeared in front of the immigrant visa committee by the opening of the second transition window period. Um, so here's the thing. Domestic players in the MLS, they get those teams essentially a tax break because they want players to play in the or from MLS to be in America. It's essentially an incentive yeah. to incentivize players that are moving from Mexico or wherever else, like Lionel Messi coming from Argentina. He is now moving here to the United States in more of a permanent fashion. It is going to highlight the attributes yeah. that, hey, you want like. Hey, um, Klaus, you want to come play for uh play uh in the MLS? Cool. Like we would love to have you. But what what's your what's your commit pro, uh or what's your commit hmm. to us? Like, are you committed to be playing in the MLS for a little bit? Because you know, buy a house so that way we can get some stuff here. And it essentially comes down to the contract negotiations as well. And they also, I think the players also get some sort of like a domestic bonus as well. I don't know too much and about they only- it, but it's not, it's nothing big either. But, and and what was the rule specifically was regarding the number of players that the team can have or whatever that have residency or don't have residency or something. Is that how it works? Right, I'm not sure. Uh, I think so. Yeah. So, like, again, I'm not 100. percent Oh, here it is right here. I'm reading it now. Yeah. So apparently MLS has reduced from seven to five players. Uh I guess that can come to the MLS on their team um, that don't have residency. I guess if you have more than, I guess seven, which is the number now, then they have to maintain or they have to, you know, go through the process to actually go through and, and establish residency here. The number was seven. Apparently, they're reducing it to five. Makes sense. So they're basically trying to say, like you said, instead of making this a league of players from outside of the u.s they're trying to make this league more u.s based they're trying to have more staying power that essentially for the mls that hey if you're going to come over here that's cool but we want Uh a little bit of a commitment from you uh we don't want to like a david beckham bullshit where i'm going to go on loan to ac milan you know what i mean like and it makes sense too especially from a competitive standpoint like in the league's cup perspective you know yeah exactly that's a great example of where it's like okay, we need players. You know, it's like we're bringing in these players. They can play, but it's they're not really our players, you know. So yeah. the league cup, they actually are. 
you know. Yeah, you don't want all the best American players leaving for Europe. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, they're reducing it from seven to five. So they can still have them. They just can't have as many. Yeah. And again, the challenge is a little bit harder, too, because you have to go through that committee for the immigrant visa and stuff like that as well to qualify for it. Well, or just, yeah, there you go. Main thing, though, for me is that. (laughs) Is the, the 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 main rules that we discussed earlier, which I think are great. I'm not all that, you know, worried about. I the agree other with you. But yeah. And uh, just so, because you know, OJ, we know that you don't like the NFL and stuff. But the Raiders just scored their seventh fucking touchdown against the Holy Chargers, crap. and they're halfway through the third. It's 49 to nothing, dog. And oh. they just threw a flea flicker. Like it was a bubble screen to the tight end that threw it to Devontae Adams for a touchdown. Like, <laughs> oh my god, they're getting like, all right, we're bored. We're just gonna try this now. Okay. Anyways, let's go ahead and head to our side. Actually, before we do, before we do, can I actually make a quick announcement here as well? There were actually a few other small changes I'm reading here as well in the MLS, just so I'll run through them real quick if that's cool. Uh, Because one of them I actually enjoy. The stoppage time will actually now be shown in the stadium uh, as well, because if you've ever been – Yes. Uh, which I've been to a couple games in store st- scoreboards actually stopped at 45 and 90. Now you actually get to see the true stoppage time in the stadium. That's hilarious. Cool. You just have to sit <laughs> in suspense. Just yeah. Like, you just don't know. And well, you're like, time is it happening? <laughs> is it not? You know? And so, and so I was so confused, OJ, the first time. And I'm like, why aren't they showing the stoppage time? And Josh is like, they don't do that. And see, I'm like, why? That's it's, because it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a traditionalist thing because you're able to do that on TV. Not a problem. But if you don't see it on like the, the on-field screen or like the, uh-huh. the guy holding the board, which by the way, again, get rid of that fucking tradition. This yeah, no shit. That fucking iPad that, that 10,000 people are supposed to be able to see. Oh, yeah, it's man. a joke. Yeah, yeah, put it up on the board. Yeah, <laughs> like, so that's one thing I, I like. I go to my phone to see how much they added, you know, while I'm at the stadium. So yeah, you're exactly. Right. Yeah. So that's a good, so that's a, that's a good thing that they're adding. Small one, but a good mm-hmm. VAR decisions will also have to be announced by the referees. Oh, nice. I appreciate so that's that. awesome. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, tr- yeah. There's been a lot of times this season that I've been like, justify that bitch. Justify. Absolutely. That I Just like they do in the MLB it. recently <laughs> where I'm or, like, or what the, the hell happened? The XFL is perfect. You, you hear the yes. entire process. You actually hear it. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, you know, if you're watching at home and stuff like that, and then they still do the on-field, the, the refs explain at least a little bit. You might not get the full explanation from, like— Yeah, but at uh, least the decision would be announced properly, you know what I mean? Understand yeah. it more, you know what I mean? Yeah, and then we yeah. can at least know if a guy maybe just completely missed something or if he just misinterpreted a rule or what, you know? Like, yeah, we exactly. know why to be mad at him. And so just, exactly. How could so you say that? It, <laughs> we'll know exactly it, how he screwed it up. It helps the communication. <laughs> yeah, at least it helps the communication, which I think communication is very important for sure for the fans. And then yes, finally, absolutely. this is player safety, and I absolutely love this because this is something – that should be happening is when uh, opposing players suffer simultaneous head injuries that require off-field treatment. Oh, hold on. When opposing players suffer simultaneous head injuries that require off-field treatment. Oh, hold on. I misread this. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, when opposing players actually suffer simultaneous head injuries, they require that they require off-field treatment. They will return to play at the same time. Interesting. Okay. I misread that. 
Hmm. That's an interesting one. I'm not terribly too certain how I feel about that because like, so then what I misread that. Guy, I thought like, it was something else, but no. Yeah. yeah. Huh? So if two people have a head injury together and they rec- both require, yeah, so if, if you're both, if you're both challenging on a ball, right. So if you're, if you're going to like, okay, here comes a corner kick and you go up and Adam, you and I go both go up and we both go to try to head the ball. You're defending. Yeah. I'm trying to attack and we end up hitting heads. We go down and then you get assessed for concussions and stuff like that. hundred percent. But here's the problem I have with that is, so let's say I leave the game, but you're fine. Well, then then I can't play. Back? Yeah, that's kind of yeah, that, like, how does that I completely work? misread that at first? And now I'm reading it back. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, that's know kind of unfair. Because. Mm. OK, that one's question you can take. You can take well and the Chargers just scored a touchdown. Wow. Anyways. Um, yeah. So you might be like because I would be like, OK, so if I'm a ter- like I'm a, like an average player, but you're the best defender that they have. Cool. All I'm going to do is I'm going to go take you out. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to try to headbutt you. So I don't know how that rule is going to work out or whatever. We'll see how that yeah. works in live action. Oh, and by the way, OJ, too. Um, guess who won the ref of the year award? It was Ted Uncle. Oh, <laughs> the, oh the league paid him to do that. That's pretty obvious. Oh, now. man. That's I just pretty obvious. I said, who's I was like, news how the does fuck does he, he even get notified or nom- uh, nominated? But he gets he fucking yeah. wins it too. I'm like, you got to. He be did the job for right the league. Now. He did the job the league yeah. wanted him to do. Fucking yep, atrocious. But anyways. what a piece, dude! It yeah. couldn't be clear. Probably got a nice fat bonus with it too, and everything. Oh, I'm sure he oh, did. Fucking little bitch. Yep. But anyways, let's go ahead and head for sign off here. He's uh, a TED tour sign off here. Adam, would you like to tell the good uh, listeners how they could reach out to us and interact with the show? Yeah, I was going to say, so if uh, if Kairu wants to reach out to us because he's all butthurt, please do. please do. Hit us up on Facebook, Jordan Kairu. Tell us how mad you are on the comments at facebook.com slash the hometown losers. And since you are uh, going to say, if, if you don't know how to spell that, that's L-O-U-S-E-R-S, by the way. Uh, or, you know, if you don't believe in the Facebooks, you don't like the Mark Zuckerberg's universe, that's fine. And go check us out on the new X.com slash hometown losers. Mm-hmm. That's right. We have Lou in our damn name because we are from Lou. St. Louis. Of it. Jordan Kyler is more of an Instagram guy anyway. <laughs> he's an Instagram yeah, guy. Yeah, we're he not joining Instagram. He, you know he's an Instagram <laughs> dude. Like, <laughs> he's an Instagram dude and a Snapchat dude. Let's be honest, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, funny you mentioned that, and the dude's got like 37,000 followers on freaking Instagram. Ooh. Yeah, of course he His does. His bitch ass is on TikTok, too. We know that. Uh, well, yeah. He, he, is yeah. that what he's been doing this whole time? He's actually just been making TikToks instead of playing he goes, No. I mean, he's got somebody running a social media account I'm everywhere. Sure he does, I think he actually yeah, uses Instagram. Like, <laughs> I'm sure he does. I would not be surprised. OJ, what do you anyway. have for the game of the week, buddy? Uh, there's really slim pickings this weekend since the Blues kind of just suck. I mean, they're winning now. I mean, they're crushing Ottawa. I don't know. I guess they could still make a season out of this. So, you know, they play this weekend. But I was going to say uh, Mizzou basketball versus Seton Hall at 4 p.m. Right. I mean, that should be a, on Sunday. That should be a decent game. And certainly uh, Seton Hall's, like, I guess seen as an, as a tournament team. So that could be a good, they are for good sure. feather Mizzou's cap. Um, 
if you're looking for if you're looking for hockey, uh, let's see. I think they got who they got next because I'm sure it's um, this weekend. Oh, they got Dallas Saturday night. So you can see if the Blues can continue their uh, improved play against a much better team. That could be interesting. And then other than that, you got bowl weekend starting for college football. So lots of football to watch. For sure. Yeah. So well, if, uh, yeah. I was going to say, Go if, I, if I could jump in real quick, I, I know you're yeah. not going to, you know, you're not advertising the, uh, the NFL games, but I would of course love to see uh, the chiefs kick Bill Belichick right in the ass this weekend as well at uh, at noon on Please Sunday. Love so, of God. Yeah. 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 Just saying. How much have people been talking a, about how much of a cheater he is recently? <laughs> Zero. I just want to know. No one's mentioned it yet? Okay. He, no, of course not. And, let, like, and he's, uh, so there's been a lot of conversations that uh, the Patriots and Belichick have mutually decided to part ways after the end of the season. Um, yeah. And so everyone's like, Oh, where's he gonna go? He's gonna go to the LA chart. I'm like, dude, he's 73. Like, he's old. Old. Yeah. He's so old. He just needs to go <laughs> away. He's gonna like, move why would down you to, go to, to LA. Or no, he's more of an Arizona kind of guy. I think. I think he Bill Belichick retired Arizona. Arizona dude. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want like oceans or shit. He wants like just endless sand. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, <laughs> He can sit All there right, and guys. like people that are wandering through the desert. <laughs> <laughs> you can see him like taking up some really fucking weird like retired shit. Like he paints like bird sculptures or something. <laughs> like oh that's God. what he fucking does. And be like, what the hell? I find joy in this. You know, it's just ah. something that balances me out. I think Bill would uh, put on a. I think he's gonna sit out on a lawn chair in front of his trailer in the middle of the desert with a beer in a hand in his hand and just sit there all day, just staring out into the desert. I think that's Bill Belichick's dude, retirement. Who's that? Who's that dude that's breaking back, cooking nothing in that RV in the middle of the desert? <laughs> dude, that's not a, he's not breaking back. That's Bill Belichick. He moved out here 20 years ago. And he's just still sitting so, there. So then all of a sudden DEA pulls up and be like, dude, why are you cooking that? I misinterpreted the rules. <laughs> Misinterpreted the rules. I misinterpreted oh, the rules. I misinterpreted the rules. <laughs> wow. You're like I knew you were coming. I had a van scout uh, you know, check you out. I actually know where you guys live now. What the fuck? Dude. Yeah, no, oh, I don't man. know. But right. anyway, just wait till the pay, you know. I guess if he leaves, that'll be good. But if he goes to another team and sucks, then people are finally gonna start talking about him being a cheater again. If uh, if South Park's theory is correct, anyway. Yeah. Oh shit. So, we'll see. Okay, Gretzky, don't throw up on me. My dog's in here coughing. Look about the rub. All right, let's go ahead and get, get off here before anything else happens in this crazy show. Um, all right, guys. Well, I appreciate your time, Adam and OJ. Uh, and again, to the listeners here, and hopefully Cairo, if you want to interact with our show. Please check us out on our shows, uh, social media as well. Um, and until next week, we will catch you next week on the Hometown Losers podcast. Have a great night, everybody. This is OJ, and I wanted to thank you guys for listening to the equivalent of three dudes sitting at a bar talking about sports. We'll catch you next week on the Hometown Losers.